So I'm really excited. Uh, this morning, uh, we have an awesome guest speaker. Her name is Saida Eccles, and she uh, has an MDiv from Baylor University, so be nice to her. I know she's still uh, licking her wounds after their loss uh, in the men's NCAA tournament a few days ago, uh, so it's way too soon for that, I think. Uh, but uh, we can be nice to her about that, but we will be really mean because she works at Friends University. So everybody go, boo! Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was really good. Um, and uh, you guys did great on that. Uh, yes, we are competitors, uh, fierce competitors with friends on the court and on the field and in other ways. But off of it, uh, we love uh, the mission that they are trying to walk out. And Saida and I have connected along with the Stephanie. Uh, she serves uh, as the director of multicultural engagement there. And so we've been networking and trying to share best practices in a lot of different areas. And we said, hey, we want you to come and be here uh, with our people with our students so uh, even as she's from friends let's give her a break on that and I know she's gonna do a great job got an awesome message uh, about uh, from God's Word for us this morning um, will you guys if you're able please stand and we'll quiet our hearts before God would you pray with me dear Jesus thank you for this time that we get to come together and worship you and I pray that you would just be with us and speak to us through this message that we're about to hear and I pray that you would go with us throughout our day and that we will be a light shining for you in everything. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Good morning, Sterling College. Um, I don't know if everybody was awake when I said that, so we're going to try it again. Good morning, Sterling College. And there we go. Paul, <laughs> he made that Baylor comment. Like, we, he's, not, he's, he's not off the hook yet. Uh, my name is Saida Eccles. I am, I serve as the Director of Multicultural Engagement at Friends, of which I am an alum. Um, but I also, just outside of that, am a pastor. Um, I've been a hospital chaplain during COVID. Um, I also was a hospital chaplain in Hawaii, and so it allowed me an opportunity to be with people and families in just some of the worst times of their life. Um, and so I, I thank God for all those opportunities because it has allowed me to come and be in front of people from different walks of life who may be going through different things. And I'm also fully aware that being a college student and coming to chapel, I, I can recognize that some of you have come in today like, yeah, I got to go to chapel, but also got a relationship situation that I'm still trying to figure out. And somebody in the room is probably texting or waiting for a text message to come back. There's a, a test or a paper that you were like, I really need to get that finished, but you're facing writer's block. Or maybe there's some artists in the room who are like, I really need to finish this portfolio or this sculpture or this painting, and I just can't seem to find my inspiration. Um, I also was a, a basketball player in college. I played two years at Coffeyville, and then I transferred to a school in Arkansas and finished out there. And so any athletes in the room, I recognize playing through injuries, playing and praying and hoping you don't get injured, having a great couple of games or practices, and then going into a slump. Like, there's a lot that's in the room right now. And so I want to take time to recognize that that's in the room because Jesus has been preparing me all week that that's what was gonna be in the room today. And so Jace, work with me on these slides. It is quite possible we might not hit any of it, okay? Um, so I am going to take some time um, to let us just breathe in and out and inhale and exhale, don't go to sleep. But I do want us to just take some time to do, sit in with palms up and just breathe in the goodness of Jesus 
and then breathe out whatever is stressing you out, frustrating you, has given you anxiety or worry. I want you to really take this time to go like, I don't always have to rush from place to place to place. I can just take a moment and acknowledge where I'm at right now and what I need. So you can breathe in peace, because I don't want to believe, I don't want to come and assume everyone in here is going to breathe in Jesus, but you can breathe in peace and then breathe out what's frustrating you. Okay, let's do that about 10 times. You ready? Go ahead. Lord, I'm available to you. My storage is empty, and I am available to you. Lord, I'm available to you. My storage is empty, and I am available. Use me, Lord, and show me the way. My storage is empty, and I am available. To you. Let us pray. God of mercy and grace and love, the creator of every being in this place, God, we invite you in, into this room, God, and we invite you into our situation, Lord. We know how we want things to turn out, God, but we, we also know that you have a wisdom that is higher than high. And so, God, give us your desires for our life. Give us peace to trust that things will happen the way you want it to happen and that it will be for my good. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief and show us the path of righteousness for your namesake, God, so we will go where you call us to go and we will sit and be still when you call us to be still because we know that you see us and that you will do great and mighty things for us because we are loved. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, y'all. So when I say it's been a week, it's been a week. Because when Paul and Stephanie, we talked about this back in like October. And so I was like, it's Women's History Month. That's right up my alley. Um, I absolutely love studying the Bible. I specifically am a biblical scholar of women in the Bible. And so I was like, cool, I can pull out something I know and we'll go with that. Um, but as I kept preparing for this sermon, the Lord kept leading me another direction. And so I had to discern, like, well, where do I go? I just spent the last three weeks preparing to talk to them about a woman in 
in history and in the Bible. But whatever is here at Sterling College and somebody or some people in this room needed to hear this message. And so today I want to talk to you about being united in Christ. Being united in Christ. And if you have your Bibles or you have the Bible app, if you don't have the Bible app, but you just want to go to BibleGateway.com and pull up on your phone, you can read with me in Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 26. Now, I'm sure it's on the screen, but if you want to remember it for later, just open up a tab on your phone and keep it open so you can revisit. And we're going to read from the NRSV version. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to, the, to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise. So you are children of God. You've been baptized. You're no longer your identity that you have to mark on every FAFSA form, right? And you're also heirs. And so that is what I want to talk to you today about what it means to be united in Christ is this new identity that you have or can have that may not fit how you walked in those doors identifying today. But before we jump to that, I want us to also read John chapter 6, verse 35. Because this is what your new identity gives you access to. In the verse 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, not whispered or murmured, declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so I want to stay in these two verses for a moment because I want us to take time to think about what does it mean that Jesus is calling himself bread? Has anyone heard this passage before? Is anyone confused about this passage? I, I take my nephews to, to church with me sometimes, and we were singing a song about the sun is rising, and we were talking about the sun, and my nephew was thinking the actual sun, and he was so confused. And so I was like, no, right? And so I had to explain, when Jesus comes and declares himself and reveals himself as the bread of life, it's because in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness, and every single day, for 40 years, y'all, they were given bread. It was called manna, which means what is it? But it was a bread-like substance that every single day God provided for them. Regardless of how many people were in their household, regardless of how hungry or full they could get, every single day God provided. And so that was a symbol and a foreshadowing of Jesus to come that every single day, Jesus shows up in your life to provide you what you need. Every single day of your 18 years and your 19 years and your 20 and when you get to be 60 and 70, 
in y'all generation, who knows what technology you do? Y'all could be like a thousand years old. Like it's, it's a lot. We're going to the outer space just for fun for 11 minutes. Like that's not something that was happening when I was in college, right? So Jesus saying, I am the bread of life is Jesus telling them, remember when God blessed your ancestors back then? Me showing up is God giving that same provision to you today and every single day. And so who gets to have this? Who gets to experience this of Jesus? Who gets to experience Jesus as the bread of life? And it's anyone who believes. Anybody who believes. So if you speak English and you believe, you get to encounter and receive Jesus as the bread of life. If you speak Swahili and you believe that Jesus has come and died, then you get to experience Jesus as the bread of life. If your parents were immigrants, my dad is an immigrant to America. I'm a first generation West African. My mom is what I like to call generic black. She just was here. Her ancestors were here. So that's how I refer to it. So I'm an actual African American. And even in that, that identity, growing up with a black Christian mom and an African Muslim dad, because I believe that Jesus is real, I get to encounter Jesus as the bread of life. So that means every single day, every second, every minute, every hour, when I am in need, I can go to Jesus. Jesus is not just reserved for some people. And so when we go back, can we go back to the Galatians slide? It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. But we live in a world that sometimes says you can only get some of the things or you can get a version of this. I think about think about walking down the drink aisle. And is there a Walmart here? We passed the Dillon's that I said, did we drive back in time? Is there a Walmart here? So, so that means y'all don't got Target. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I just was curious. There's no judgment. I was just curious. Okay. So imagine being in Walmart in Sterling, Kansas, and there's Pepsi, right, on the shelf. But there's also Diet Pepsi, and then there's also Champ's, Sam's Choice version of Pepsi, and it all depends on what you can afford and what you need. And so sometimes we take the ways at which culture adapts things and gives people full rights and responsibilities while other people get some version of it, and we apply that to our experience of Jesus. I didn't wake up and read my Bible today, so I kind of expect me to not do well on my test. I didn't go to church on Sunday, and so it makes sense why I didn't play well this weekend. Anybody ever been there? Start to give yourself justifications while you're not experiencing the fullness of God because of something you did. Here it tells us that every day for every single person, you get Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. Not sometimes, not occasionally, not when you deserve it, but it's because you believe. And so for the people in the room who are struggling with, I want to be a Christian, but I just haven't stopped doing this thing yet. Anybody? Well, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I don't even need to name off examples because I imagine that there are people in this room who know, like, I really need to get this thing together so I can really be a Christian. 
But that's not what Jesus says. He says, I am the bread of life. And whoever, whoever believes gets to have this experience of me and they'll never be hungry, which means I will continue to supply and show up and hear their prayers. That means when they are thirsty, not just like Gatorade thirsty, but really in need of a dry place, they're not producing anything in their life, Jesus says, I will be that for you. And so for the people in the room who keep questioning and doubting or giving reasonings of why they can't go clo- grow closer to God or go, grow deeper in God, you have to change your thinking to say, you're going to have to earn it to deserve it, and then Jesus will be that. And so I, I believe that there are people in this room who have been doubting that they can have a real relationship with God because of decisions they've made in their own mind and how they've defined Jesus. And so that's why the message got turned, because God wants every single, beautiful, sterling college face to know that Jesus is available to you today as you are. As you are. You don't need to go out into the world and do anything other than believe that Jesus is real. And so to, I appreciate Jesus for showing up and like not letting all of my studying go to waste because we're going to talk about a woman named Rahab. Anybody ever heard? Raise your hand if you know who Rahab is. Y'all be teaching here at Sterling College. I like this. Clap for yourselves. Because sometimes I go places and people are like, that person's in the Bible. So I'm proud of y'all. Y'all know some things. So this won't be too difficult for me to to walk y'all through this. So Rahab, when we meet her, she's in Joshua. We are first introduced to her in Joshua chapter 2. If you've never read the book of Joshua, I've probably read it at least 10 times. The whole book, it's such a good book. Just read it. Rahab appears in in the second chapter um, because Joshua, who was taken over from Moses, has sent two spies to the land of Jericho to spy it out. Somehow these two men on assignment to go spy out land end up at a prostitute's house. Talk about following directions or not. I don't know. I'm a mama business. But that's where they ended up. And so in that, the king, underst- or the king learns that Rahab has come, or that the men have come to Rahab's house, and he believes that she's hiding them. So he sends men to her door to say, release those men to me. Now, y'all, I really wish we had enough time to unpack these visitors and what it looked like in a foreign, when foreigners come into a town and how they're treated, but we don't have time for that. So this is actually not uncommon for foreigners to come into a town and men of the city to show up at the door. Now, it will give the illusion that there's only like two of the king's men that come, but if you look at the story of Lot and, and you look at, that's in Genesis, and if you look at the story of the Levite and his concubine and judges, we know that at least in these two other stories of foreigners coming to a town and people showing up to want to take them and commit violence, it's a group of men. It's usually a mob. So this woman, Rahab, is possibly met at the door with a mob of men seeking the people that she's hiding. Like this was not a small thing that she did. This was scary. This was a lot of bravery on her part. But not just that, she was a woman in a society that did not respect women at all. Like Aretha Franklin's respect really could have applied back then. So then 
She lies to the king's men, says that the two spies have already gone out. They run after the men. The gate of the city closes. She's hidden the men on her roof under some, some flax, which is like wheat. So then before the men go to sleep, she comes upstairs. She's like, oh, before y'all go to sleep real quick, I just want to tell y'all something. Um, I know about the God you serve. And she says, before they went to sleep, she came up on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that dread of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to King Sion and to King Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Saida, why are we talking about Rahab in the middle of talking about Jesus being the bread of life? Because this woman, who is a woman, no respect in society, she's a foreigner, so to the people of Israel, she was an enemy. She's also a prostitute. So at least if she was a woman and a virgin, she would have some sort of protection and rights and consideration. But being a prostitute gave people the illusion. I'm not saying that it does. It gave people the illusion that they can mistreat her. Yet she believed. Somebody said she believed. She believed. And so because she believed, after the spies leave, they make a, um, a covenant with one another, which is so powerful that this woman who's a prostitute ends up having conversations with the king's men. She can articulate and have a conversation with foreigners, which we're not quite sure if they all spoke the same language. So just think about how brilliant and intelligent she was, right? She uses this red cord to let them down the window, and that same cord becomes a symbol for them that, hey, make a covenant with me. When you all come back to invade the land, you need to save me and my whole family and everyone inside. The spies make the agreement, but if you look at it closely, they were kind of like, listen, but if you go outside, like all, the, all bets are off. So they didn't seem super committed to it. But then they go back. We jump to Judges 6. The Israelites, they inhabit the land. They take over Jericho. And Joshua, this is why you got to read the book of Joshua, because Pastor Haley knows, she's my friend. Can we say hi? Say hi, Pastor Haley. <laughs> she came with me. Haley knows I'm obsessed with the book of Joshua. I'm obsessed with Joshua. Um, I preached at our chapel last year on the daughters of Zelophehad. And it's only really in the book of Joshua that you see a man with so much power and influence stick up for women consistently. So in this story of Rahab in chapter six, Joshua has to tell the spies, go get Rahab and her family. Why does he have to tell them? They were the ones that made the covenant. The daughters of Zelophehad were advocated for by God himself to Moses to give them land. And Moses didn't do it and he died before it happened. But who gives them the land? Guess. Joshua gives them the land. Love the book of Joshua. He treats women right. So anyways, back to Rahab. Joshua has convinced all of, or tells the spies to go get Rahab, pull them out. And then it says, Joshua, I mean, Rahab and her family live with the Israelites in the land of Canaan until this day. 
Thayda, what does this have to do with Jesus being the bread of life? The Israelites come out of Egypt and are going to go into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land where they don't have to work for anything, a land that God is going to keep himself. Read Deuteronomy if you want to know all the details. She gets access to that and her family, but she's a foreigner. She's a woman. She's a prostitute. And yet, because she believed everything that God had promised God's children, she received the promise because she was adopted in and treated the same as the Israelites. And so that is the message for you all today, that whether you grew up in church or you, the first time you ever got baptized or heard a sermon was today or last week or coming to Sterling College, that once you choose to believe every single promise that God has given his children are available to you. And that is something to be excited about. That is something to say, God, I, I want that. I want to receive that. I want to know that. I want to experience that. And so we look at this life of Rahab, which happened thousands of years before Jesus himself comes and de declares, I'm the bread of life, because there's a long-standing history of God always opening his arms, opening his kingdom, opening his resources to anyone who will believe. And so I wonder if in here today, there is anyone who is wondering if they just want to take a chance on it. I wonder if there's someone in here who is like, I've been really thinking about this. Like, I've been at Sterling. I know I came here to play a sport. I wasn't really trying to go to a Christian school, but they gave me a scholarship. Or I came here because it was close to home, and my parents were like, figure out a place to go, not too far. I wonder if there's some people who are legacy, and so you are another generation of people who have been here, but yet your relationship with Christ, you, you feel a tugging. You recognize there's something there, then you just want to go deeper in it, and you're feeling unworthy, or you're feeling like, God has not blessed you or is not going to bless you like he, you've seen God bless other people. I want to tell you today that you have access to the same throne room. You have access to the same God. And whatever needs you have, God sees them and wants to provide for them. And so before we do something I don't ever really do on college campuses, but feel led today, I want us to go um, this, back to the story of Rahab one more time because her story is not over. She doesn't just go into the promised land and get to experience all of the things they all had to wait 40 years for. She goes into the promised land, meets a man, no details on that. I didn't even say that in a shady way. I just was being honest. Like, I was like, there's just no details. Until we get to the book of Matthew and we look at the genealogy of Jesus. And Rahab is listed as one of his ancestors of Jesus. She was a foreigner and a prostitute. But because of her, through the years, she is an ancestor and helps pave the way for Jesus to come on earth. I wonder... How many of you in here need to be shaken 
to know that I know how you see yourself today is probably based on what you were like in high school, but you have no idea that you were carrying inside of you future believers, that you were carrying inside of you the word of God and you have no idea. And so I want to shake you to go, you don't know who you are yet. You don't know how God is going to glorify you for your faithfulness today, for your commitment, for your dedication, that you may not ever get to see the fruits of your labor of saying yes to God and believing that God is for you, but your future generations will, and your family will be saved by it. Rahab is linked in the New Testament as an ancestor of Jesus. She's the grandmother of King David. So she gets with Salmon. Her and Salmon have Boaz. Anybody read the book of Ruth? Right. Wait for your Boaz. It's not about that. Call me, email me. We'll talk about you're not waiting for your Boaz. You're waiting for Jesus, people. Um, So they have Boaz, who then meets Ruth, and they get together. And then they have Jesse, who is the father of King David. But he's just the father of David the shepherd until David becomes a king. Do you see how faith sometimes has hidden what God has for you? But by faith, you'll get to see it. And so Rahab, she's also talked about, and she's listed among the heroes of faith in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. This this passage, this verse that includes her, acknowledges this woman who everyone used to refer to her as only the prostitute. Now she used to go down history as a hero, a heroine of faith. We just got Marvel and Black Widow and Wonder Like We just really started getting some female superheroes. And Rahab was on the map before they came out. But then also in the book of James, it says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? Because see, she believed that their God was great, but she had to have some action that went with it. And so you can believe in your heart that God is great, but you got to start doing things that, that exemplify you have faith. Apply to the job. Change your major or keep the major. Look for an internship. Go back home for the summer or don't go back home for the summer. Whatever you are feeling led to do, and it looks scary and impossible, and you're like, I got all these 5011 reasons, Jesus, why I don't think this is going to work. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me hungry, I will feed them. Whoever is thirsty, I will give them drink. Jesus can't give it to you if you won't allow yourself to be vulnerable and have your hands out. And so today, I'm inviting you, and I'm going to ask us all to close our eyes. If you have been feeling a tugging on your heart, whether you've already believed in Jesus and you feel like you messed up enough that you can't continue to walk with Jesus, or if this is the first time you've ever been offered an opportunity to declare that you believe in Jesus, just go ahead and slip your hand up. 
Amen. Oof, y'all gonna make me cry. Amen. Jesus is so worth trusting in. Jesus is so worth trusting in. And so I'm gonna pray for all those hands that just so bravely and boldly rose in the air. And I'm gonna pray for all of those who maybe didn't need to have it renewed because you already know who Jesus is. Heavenly Father, thank you (laughs) that you and I wrestled in the spirit over what was to be preached today, God, because you know, you know your children, you know their hearts, you know what you have in store for them. And so God, for every single hand that was raised today, God, was an act of faith It wasn't just faith, God. It was an act that says, I want to know you more. I want to be used by you. I want to be able to trust you. I want you to show up for me, God, because when times get rough, I need to be able to cry out to you, Jehovah, and know that you hear me and that you will move on my behalf. And so, God, I pray that not only would you meet them where they are, but, Lord, I pray that you would put the right people around them to walk alongside them as they follow you. Jesus, you didn't just call one disciple, you called 12 because they journeyed following you together. And so Lord, we pray for new community and renewed community. We pray for hearts that will worship you and give you honor and praise. God, for those who didn't raise their hand because they already have a relationship with you, Lord, we pray that you would continue to reveal that they are loved regardless that you love them each and every moment of every day and that they are already forgiven. And so there's nothing they can do that would separate them for your love. Lord, and for those in here who have not yet made that decision, we pray that in time, they will come to see how you have been present and with them every step of the way. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. I pray that this will go out and be repeated and shared with other people that you are the bread of life and you have everything that we need. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.